Welcome back to DMnastics, the gym for dungeon masters to work out their minds. I'm DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac, and with me today is the author of Of Dyson Men, the story of Dungeons and Dragons, the, the people who play it, which is David M. Ewalt, and you could go by DM Dave, anything you want here at the DMnastics gym. Hey, which thanks is, for having me on again. I like the sound of that. DM Dave works for me. Perfect. So for this one, we're going to tie back, and it should come as no surprise, we're going to tie back to the episode that you were on, and that's going to be episode number 85, Come Together Right Now. That one will also tie back to DMnastics number 71, You Are Not in a Tavern. Because the inspiration that I got out of that episode was to start your players off in a scenario that isn't essentially you're in a tavern, you trust each other implicitly, you all know each other's families, okay, adventure. But to instead start with something more interesting. So that's what I posed to our forum users and we had several entries and all of them were awesome. But DM Dave, as it were, which of those did you want to highlight? Well, one of the comments I thought was particularly insightful was DM Extraordinary, who commented first, he said, I tend to talk to my players as a group, as well as individually, and figure out how they want to start out. I implore them to attempt to create bonds within their own group, which usually brings at least two or three players into a connection with each other, whether it's familial or something else. They share a common past where they had encountered each other previously. This comment caught my eye for a couple of reasons. One is because I think the idea of starting by talking to your players and figuring out how they want to start. I think that's a really important thing to do that none of DMs oh, yeah. do that. Like, you know, we get excited as DMs about, oh, I've got this great world that I've designed, or I've got this great plot. I've got this great idea for a campaign. And we're taking our needs to the table and like, oh, I can't wait to show this off to my friends. But the people coming to the table have their own desires. You know, maybe they're really excited about playing a particular type of character, or maybe they're really looking for some combat this time around or whatever. But I think it makes a lot of sense to, before you even get to the raw details of like, okay, you're the cleric and this is how you know each other. First ask, you know, what do you want to get out of this game? And then once you have their answers, that helps you start to come up with those connections of like, well, here's two players that both want to be fighters. They're both into combat. So maybe they have something in common. Maybe they come from the same guild or maybe they're enemies who have fought before. But just like knowing what people want to get out of the game, I think gives you a real good place to then start building those storylines and those connections to the players within game. And I think that gets the game off to a much stronger start. if People are all on the same page from the very beginning. Yeah, and it could definitely organically change what you're even attempting to do with your own story. If you all of a sudden find out that everyone wants a gun and the world you created has no guns, <laughs> one of those two things will need to change before you can get off the ground. Yeah, and you know, what if your campaign that you've built up is, you know, a giant mystery and you found out that all everybody else wants to do is action? Well, then, you know, that's going to help you to avoid failure from the start. You know, it's going to help you, you know, retool and, and rethink the adventure that you're about to give them. Definitely. One of the other things he thought was cool is, you know, he talks a little bit about, you know, using dreams to kind of you know, tell their PCs things that he'd like them to know, you know, maybe they're having prophetic dreams, or maybe it's things that link them up together. And and that's cool, too. That's something that I've experimented with a little bit in the campaign that I'm currently running is I didn't explicitly give dreams, but I had my players go to like this shaman who gave them visions of what was in their future. 
And it was a cool sort of device because on one hand, I had things that I wanted to introduce into the plot that I hadn't figured out how to do yet. So for some of my players, like I literally gave them a vision of like, this is where I want you to go. It's not railroading them. I wasn't forcing them to go there, but by giving them an image of like, oh, here's you doing this thing in the future. Like it gives them the idea of, oh, okay, maybe I'll do that next. Maybe they'll never do it, but it'll give them the idea. (laughs) It was also cool because for some of the players, I didn't have a specific vision for them yet so i just kind of made stuff up and let them interpret it you know give them something abstract and then that kind of gets back to asking your players what they want you know they would look at this abstract vision and say oh wow that means that i'm going to you know become a knight templar or whatever like whatever they draw out of the abstract dreams that you're giving them is also very telling and gives you ideas where to go to awesome so the one i chose was from Sneaky Arrow, who's a newer forum member, because I feel like this one, it's harder to pull off because it's more it goes more into that road of like telling a story rather than creating a story together. But it's a cool way to start it. They said that they had an adventure where the PCs were magically teleported into an NPC's office. But the thing is about the world that magic is all a licensed practice. So now they're essentially criminals because of what's happened, even though they didn't know why it happened. And now they have to like work, they work indebted to the NPC. So I feel like it's difficult because your players probably aren't going to be very happy at the heavy handed maneuver of you're here now and you're indebted to him or her. The thing about it is it immediately sets the tone of that relationship with that NPC and it could be a bad one. And just owning that and letting it be an NPC that they begrudgingly work with and maybe that relationship changes or maybe it's always that they don't like this person. And eventually that's like the big bad evil guy. Yeah. And I really like the idea of putting the pressure on the players and setting up those relationships instead of just telling them, okay, magic is banned here. And so-and-so is this boss who forces people into work, you know, and a lot of games would just start with, you know, here's Mm. the evil prince. Let me tell you about him. But this way players are just being thrust into it. You know, they learn it by you know being literally in the situation and, you know, it's, it's more doing and less telling. Oh yeah. And then, I mean, from there, all the errands or things that they have to do for this NPC could have, could be on an air quote need to know basis. And then they don't understand that they're furthering the plot that the NPC has. Totally. Yeah. I think it gives you a lot of power that way to, to tell the story, you know, in bits and pieces, sort of parcel it out as you're ready. Then whether or not they wanted a mystery, they have one now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So now that we've done that, I think we should go ahead and lift the mental weights right now lifting weights is what i do look at me lift these weights for the first one i want to toss out is actually in the latest gm showcase game that's going to come out a companion podcast or podcast on the network with us where i did start the group in a tavern but instead of it just being this great scenario where it's not really a place that they care about i described how the tavern looked and then had them all roll initiative because they were in the worst tavern brawl of their entire lives. And then it was them fighting their way out of this tavern brawl, as well as getting away from the guards that were trying to break up and arrest everyone. So definitely a little bit of a twist on the classic because then they had to get out, run down the docks, get on a boat and then sail away. 
Nice. I like that. I like the idea of subverting the tavern idea. I mean, it's such a cliche starting in the tavern, but it's also, I mean, I like to start adventures in a tavern yeah, just because exactly. it is, it's traditional. It's a cliche, but it's a cool idea to start it there and then go off in another direction. Like maybe you start the players in the tavern and, you know, it's very standard. You know, a messenger comes up and says, hey, can you come and empty out the kobolds from this cave? But then they discover that they're not really in a tavern. They're on a stage and they're actors performing the part in a play set in a tavern and they have to move on from there. There's all kinds of cool ways you could subvert that. Yeah. I don't know how it did not dawn on me before now, but it's almost like that starting in a tavern thing is in a way like Tolkien-esque where I would say that the original Lord of the Rings didn't really start the adventure piece until they were in the tavern. Frodo falls and gets the ring on his finger. Strider gets involved. And now everything's like, where's Gandalf? The whole adventure really starts from that tavern scene. That's where the action starts. Yeah, it's totally true. You know, another way that I might like to start an adventure is to, to put it in a tavern. But, you know, think about that scene at the Prancing Pony where, you know, Frodo gets the ring on his finger and all that happens. What if the party isn't Frodo and Aragorn and the hobbits? What if the party's just like some random drunks in the tavern and they see all this action happen and, you know, the plot of, of, of the adventure is happening to other people and the party oh, wow. has to sort of find their role. You know, they're not Frodo and Aragorn, but, you know, stuff is still happening out east and Mordor is still out there, but they've got to figure out what their role is in it. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, and just the understanding that greater things are happening and this essentially they're not high enough level to deal with the ring. Yeah. You know, it also makes me think of, you know, I'm sure a lot of uh, your listeners have read the novel Red Shirts, which is about like the security officers on, yes. yeah, on a starship. And like, so I like that idea too of just like, you and your fellow players are not the A-listers. You're the stars of your own story, but you're not the stars of like what's happening in this world. There are bigger people and bigger players, and you've just got to figure out how you fit into this universe. It makes starts to make me think of all those uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes where they're going in and they're cleaning up like all the destruction from like the actual A-listers and all the things that they do. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know, and that makes me think of one more sort of prompt. It's like there's great comic book, like I don't know, 80s, 90s. Marvel had a comic book called Damage Control. And it was literally about the guys in Manhattan who like after Spider-Man fights Doc Ock and they knock down buildings. This is the company that like goes up and cleans up the mess awesome that might be a cool way to start an adventure too as like you know there's just been a giant battle you know the forces of evil have swept in from the east and you know the knights of the town have cleaned it up but like what if your adventure started with like okay you're the people left in the town the big battle is over the evil forces have been destroyed but now you have to sort of rebuild everything it's your job to start over that's awesome it kind of made me think of that along the lines of battle and people being captured because you know one of the main things you don't want to do with the start of it is to take too much player agency away so you can definitely let your players have whatever background they have but now they're all in prison out of the abyss isn't that how it started what they were all in a prison oh uh, yeah yep you know, and going back to kind of what dm extraordinary mentioned you could talk to your players and figure out where they are in terms of that prison because they could be prisoners or they could be some of the guards and it could be a scenario where like the prison is being sacked and you know, and you have have that guard who just doesn't want to see all these prisoners who who knows what their crimes are die just because they happen to be stuck in cells yeah and i like the idea of hitting a group with a problem to solve right up front that it's mm -hmm. not just okay you're in a tavern here's the mission but if they're in something like a prison and you know maybe they are guards or maybe they are you know they have to conspire together like even before they know each other 
having to solve that problem of how do we break out of the prison, like that's how they get to know each other. That gives them the opportunity to really interact. I think that's kind of my big takeaway from all these examples and just thinking through other things. It's essentially a scenario where dice need to be rolled right away. Yeah. Because then it's like you said, they get into this problem solving thing. And instead of, oh, we trust each other implicitly, it's like, this is why you trust each other implicitly. Because maybe it's like, okay, roll initiative. You're in this huge battle. And like, you didn't know each other, but now you're like the only five that are still standing facing off against however many else. Yeah. And also, you know, just outside of the game with people sitting around a table, part of the job is to get them to gel as a team. And the way you get that team to form of, you know, these different people who all came to your house or wherever to play this game, like there's no better way to get them to gel as a team as to get them to, all right, we're in combat now, or here's the dice. Like you've all got to work together to achieve something. And the faster that happens, I think the sooner that they start to really, you know, rely on each other outside of the game as well as in game. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know why this is another one. (laughs) This seems terrible and I don't know that I would ever use it. But hey, someone else can use it and tell me how terrible it was. But going off the one that I had highlighted with Sneaky Arrow is teleporting the group somewhere. What if you teleported the group to the end of a dungeon? And like, that's where the campaign started. Was they're all stuck, just, you know, just like in the treasure room of a dungeon. But now you got to get out. Right. They don't know the way out, but like mm-hmm. half the monsters are dead. They already find them all slayed by the time they get there. Yeah. Yeah, that could be interesting. Half the traps are sprung, but certainly there are some that haven't been sprung yet. I think that would be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. So... Since I can't help myself, we'll go ahead and showcase another one from the forums. And it's by the amazing IB Blunderin, who does some of the most official looking stuff. I mean, you know, this is just for their home game or even for other gymnastics, but some of the most official looking work I've ever seen. And they have a group called the Freak Squad, which is essentially starting everyone out as like historically thought of as evil races and it is on them to work together and figure out how to like better the name of the races that they represent and i think that's an awesome way to also get your players connected is figure out this thing that's essentially kind of intangible and then that's what brings them together rather than like oh i want to go get i want to go murder hobo and get fat loots and that's why we're stuck together but no this intangible like we're all these races that are downtrodden but we all are better than that and we can show the rest of the world that this is why yeah it's such a smart idea too to get a, a really diverse party like i want out of any other situation you know if you had somebody you know one pc playing a a lithid and another one playing a kobold like there's no reason why those people would ever be in the same party together but it's such a smart idea of no there's mm-hmm. a reason for all these disparate people who wouldn't normally get along to get along with each other and yeah. it, it's going to create some really interesting dynamics in that game yeah and it, i mean and of course freak squad immediately makes me think of suicide squad and everything that is implied with that and definitely you know and we've already mentioned comics that would be another set of comics to pick up if you wanted to figure out kind of a way to go about this with years and years and years of a uh, uh, backstory and history with those comics. Yeah, comics are actually a good place for studying these sorts of dynamics in particular because comics so often have to do crossovers and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like Iron Man has got his issue crossover with the Hulk or with the Vision or whatever. But like every time that comic writers have to force two characters from different books together, like they have to find a way not only plot-wise to make it make sense, but quite often to fuse two different genres. You know, Iron Man has a very different feel to it as a comic book that, say, Doctor Strange does. So when they show up in the same book together, 
together like it's a real exercise and well how do we make these worlds combine and how do we make it make sense for these two characters to cooperate with each other so yeah there's probably a lot of good ideas to come from that world of just looking at, at how those dynamics happen in, in fiction definitely yeah and there and there's a lot of instances in it in comics most recently with after rebirth there is a comic where the suicide squad is going against the justice league and you know i mean the difference between even those two even though they're both dc properties and thanks now i really want to see dr strange and iron man in the same uh movie together <laughs> i assume there will obviously be best of friends though because they have great facial hair beard buddies yeah and it's whether or not they see eye to eye on everything else is not important not at all yeah just those two guys that's what's important they're both rich too they could be out like drinking together in vegas or something that's how it starts True. now we're just going to come up with adventure ideas for other avengers avengers team up well there's yeah if there's if people doing superhero rpgs like there you go that's how you start dr strange and iron man sitting together and drinking somewhere that's an adventure i want to play yeah <laughs> just the two of them oh yep sorry my mind's going crazy <laughs> my mind's going crazy with ideas now um Speaking of though, did did you have anything anything else? Any um, other the ideas? only other thing I'll, I'll mention is that you know you were reading uh, Ivy Plunderin's post. The other thing I thought was cool he was did was he wrote like this letter to all his players explaining. Mm -hmm this world that they're going into about the freak squad and put a lot of work into that pdf made it look like a real like medieval document and i kind of dig that idea of you know even before the game starts you know you deliver a scroll to your players explaining the world or like i like that idea of there being some sort of physical artifact that is your entry into this campaign you know you have all been summoned you know here's a piece of parchment telling you what's happening or even if it's a computer printout it's an intriguing idea to you know start the players out well ahead of time with something to, to get their mind going mm -hmm. yeah definitely a physical piece to really kick everything off well sir i think we've done it i think we've lifted the mental weights as it were the next question I have for you, though, is where can people go to find you and see what you are up to? Well, you could start by going to David M. Ewalt, D-A-V-I-D-M-E-W-A-L-T dot com. All my stuff is there. Links to me on Facebook and Twitter and conferences, conventions I'll be at, games I'm running, stuff I've got coming out. It's all up there on the website. Definitely. Go check that out. And then right on the front is, of course, of Dyson Min, which if you have not purchased it, shame on you. We told you to do it when he was on the last episode, and I'll tell you to do it again. It's definitely a fantastic book that if you have any interest in Dungeons & Dragons, it is worth the purchase and read. Well, thank you. Yeah, I hope people go out and get it. So if you want to get a hold of us, though, you can always email us at dmnastics at gmail.com, or you can follow us over on Twitter at dmnastics, where you can catch our daily dmnastics. And for everything else on the network, you can always head over to blockpartypodcastnetwork.com. But above all of that, I want to implore you, the listener, to join the forums and take part in these challenges and exercises, as well as all the other amazing conversations being had. And to do that, head over to dungeonmasterblock.freeforums.net and try some DMnastics so your players don't ask, do you even lift? Oh, I could barely lift my right arm because I did so many. I don't know if you heard me counting, I did over a thousand. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get you. <laughs> <laughs>